0: If you have a Bible with you, in a few moments we are going to be in First Corinthians chapter seven. And so, if you don't have one with you or don't have it on your phone, there should be some uh, scattered in the chairs in front of you, underneath the chairs in front of you. You can grab one if you'd like. Uh, you go to the table of contents. First Corinthians is in the New Testament, a few books down that list, and we'll be in First Corinthians chapter seven in just a few moments. But before we get there, before we get there, a couple of things. One thing that I forgot to mention just a couple of weeks ago that I want to make sure I let everybody know is that next Sunday, uh, May 28th, on Memorial Day weekend, uh, some of the gentlemen from Teen Challenge in Brockton are going to be here uh, ministering with us If you're not familiar with Teen Challenge, it's a great program. Teen Challenge, the name is a bit of a misnomer because they don't only work with teenagers. They used to a long time ago, but now they work with all ages. It is a Christian-based addiction recovery program and a very effective one that is worldwide. There's a big center down in Brockton. There's one in Boston. Uh, there's some, there's, I believe there's one in Framingham. I know there's one in New Hampshire. But we're going to have these gentlemen come from Brockton and share with us next week. And what they'll do is they'll take what is normally our sermon time, and they're going to share their stories of how God has changed their lives over the past few years. And so these are always powerful stories to come and to hear. So I encourage you to join us next week. The other thing I'll say is... My guess is, uh, you know, if you're like me, all of us have people close to us that struggle with addiction, and maybe you have yourself. Uh, This is a great opportunity uh, to maybe reach out to some of those folks and invite them to come and hear the work that God has done, because these men that will be standing on stage next week have been right where maybe you are today or right where uh, your friend or your relatives are today, and their stories can be a powerful tool that God might use in your loved one's life. And so I'd encourage you to reach out to those folks this week. Come and join us next Sunday and hear from the guys there at Teen Challenge. It's going to be a good morning. If you've been with us the last few weeks, you know we've been in this series where we've been we've called it Ancient Families and Modern Problems. And the whole point of this series is to talk about the reality that all of us have things in our closest relationships. Uh, family, parenting, marriage, uh, being a child, all of us have things in our closest relationships that are challenging to navigate. And I think many in our world today would say, well, yeah, these things are challenging to navigate, and the last thing that would be helpful to us, the last thing that would have something to say to us in the middle of that is some ancient book from thousands of years ago. The reality is, is that even though culture has changed and we communicate online more than in person these days, the the root of the issues that we face in our relationships with one another have not changed over time. And in fact, the challenges that people faced thousands of years ago are the same challenges that we face today. And in fact, the Bible does have quite a bit to say, helpful things to say to you and to me as we try to navigate relationships in the modern world. World. And so a couple weeks ago, we spent two weeks on uh, issues surrounding marriage. Last week, we talked, uh, you heard from some of the moms in our congregation share how God is using motherhood to mold them and shape them. But today, we're taking a little bit of a different turn and we're going to talk about a totally different subject all together. Let me ask you a question this morning What is, right now, what is your relationship status? I'm not going to ask you to shout it out or anything. I'm not going to ask you to put it up on the board. But what is your relationship status today? It's an important question. It's a question that we often use to try to identify other people. It's a question that we answer to identify ourselves, don't we? If you're meeting somebody new and um, you're meeting a new coworker. you're meeting a new friend, you're meeting someone casually, one of the first things you might do is try to glance at their left hand just to answer that question. What is this person's status? You can very quickly, by glancing at someone's left hand, oftentimes know what their status is. They're married, they're engaged, uh, or question mark. And so that's something that we use very early on in our relationships to try to understand who people are. You meet somebody new, it's not long before the question comes up, are you married? Are you single? It's a question that is used to identify ourselves. In fact, if you remember back in the days when Facebook uh, was primarily used by college students instead of baby boomers, there was something that was uh, an identifier, an immediate identifier in on Facebook, and that was your relationship status. It was one of the early things in Facebook that everybody had. You had your name, uh, you had the school that you went to, you had your age, and your relationship status was right up there with those other identifying characteristics because it's something that's important to us. It's something that we use To understand who we are and where we are in life. In fact, I would suggest to you that our relationship status, how we define where we are in life, single, married, divorced, widowed, how we see ourselves, where we are, that it is really important, it is foundational in determining three things. Our relationship status is foundational in determining my identity, how I see myself, if I'm going to list the, the identifying characteristics of who I am, whether I'm single or married or in a serious relationship or widowed or divorced, one of those things is going to be early on the list for most of us. It's an identifying characteristic, much like a man or woman or my age, married, single, dating, all of those things are an identifying characteristic. So, my identity is all wrapped up in this thing. My community is often wrapped up in my relationship status. We know how this works. Uh, we often spend time with the people that are in a similar life situation as we are. So, when we're single, we find ourselves spending time with other people who are single. And when we're dating, we find ourselves. Spending time with other people who are dating. And when we're married, we find ourselves spending other time with people who are married and in a similar life situation. So my identity, my community are all wrapped up in how I answer this question, what is my relationship status? And the third thing that is a part of this is my serenity. How at peace I am with myself in my life. Often how we answer that question is, is a key indicator of, of how fulfilled we feel and how satisfied we feel. Because if I identify myself as someone who is single, but I desperately wish that I was married or in a relationship, it directly affects how peaceful and serene and fulfilled I feel in life. And vice versa, if I am in a marriage and it doesn't feel like it's the place where I want to be, I wish my situation was different, my serenity is absolutely affected in that moment. And so how we answer this question, what is my relationship status? I'm single, I'm married, I'm divorced, I'm widowed, it's complicated. Whatever it is that we answer that question with, it determines these three things. My identity, my community, and my serenity are all affected by these things. And it's really interesting to me what's happened with Facebook over the years, because when it first was launched, this was a key indicator, something that was on everybody's profile, something everybody could see. But today, it's something that's hidden from most people. You can choose whether or not to share this. You don't have to share this like you used to. And the articles that I read this week said that what Facebook found is the answer to this question is so intimately personal that where people will share their age and their location and their, and their birthdays and their pictures of their children and all of those sorts of things, relationship status is something that they just don't want out there. Because when it gets changed from single to dating or from dating to single, from married to divorce or whatever it gets changed to, The resulting change in identity and community and serenity is so impactful that people just don't want it out there. And so we will share all of these sorts of facts about ourselves, put all our pictures out there for people to see, let people know everything that we're doing with our lives. But this is one thing, because this question is so personal and so key to how we see ourselves and how we spend our time and whether or not we're satisfied with our lives, that we just don't even want that out there for people to see. And the other thing that's interesting to me is, is, uh, you know, that it seems like no matter where we are in life, that we always think that the grass is always greener on the other side, don't we? That when we're single and we're, and we're depressed about being single, we say, if only I had somebody, if only I was in a relationship or I was married, life would be so much better. And then we get into a relationship and we get married and we look back and we say, the days that I was single were the best days. I had so much freedom and so much time. And we go back and forth. The grass is always greener. In fact, I heard someone say just this week, someone mentioned, and I overheard the conversation, they said, you know, I'd love to get... All my yard work done, but you know, I'm single and I live by myself, and there's no one else to help with the work. And I immediately thought in my head, I don't get all my yard work done either. (laughs) And the excuse I use for not getting all my yard work done is I would get all my yard work done, except for I have my family that's stopping me from doing it. And so, no matter where we are in our just kidding, no matter where we are, right? (laughs) No matter where we are in our life situation, in some ways the grass is always greener on the other side. We say to ourselves, man, if I was just single again, I could do X. Or if I was just married, then life would all make sense and everything would be great. It seems like the grass is always greener. Here's the question I want us to answer in the few minutes that we have this morning. The question that I would ask you to think about is when it comes to your identity, your community, and your serenity in life, What relationship status is to be preferred? Which one is best? If you're going to have a strong identity, a solid identity, if you're going to have good, authentic community, something I think we all desire, and if you're going to find serenity and peace and fulfillment in this life, which one is preferable? And if you're someone who follows Jesus with your life uh, and your identity and community and, and your serenity is all wrapped up in being a Christian and a follower of Jesus Christ, which one is best for you? Which one are we supposed to be working for? Which one is preferable so that we have a good sense of identity, a good sense of authentic community, and a good sense of serenity in life? which is best. You see, what happens is, and what can be confusing, is that whether you go out into our culture or you come inside to the church, in both situations, sometimes being in a relationship gets elevated and sometimes being single gets elevated. And it can be confusing. You walk out into the culture and the culture will say to you, you know, sometimes being married is better than being single. In a traditional culture, or being in a relationship, I should say, is better than being single. In a traditional culture, it's probably because being in a relationship or being married is key to survival, is key to creating heirs that will carry things on, is key to being productive. And in a more modern society like ours, you might hear that being in a relationship is preferable to being single because like we talked about a couple of weeks ago in our modern day culture experiencing romantic love is key to being fulfilled we talked about this a few weeks ago That in our world, our world would say, uh, you know, romantic love, that passion, that energy, that is the height of experience, and we should do whatever it takes to be able to experience that all the time. And so people would say, being in a relationship is better. Whatever that looks like, being with people, being in a relationship is preferable to being alone. We hear that in our culture, and we also hear it inside the church, right? Right? You come inside the church, and the church says, listen, being married is better than being single. We'll pull out a verse like this, a verse that's used in, in the book of Genesis right at the beginning of the Bible, and echoed again by Jesus in, in the Gospel of Matthew, and again by Paul in a letter he wrote to a church in Ephesus. This phrase comes over and over again, the two shall become one, and you'll come to church and you'll hear this is the plan for your life, that the two will become one, and in a sense, the church is saying to us, listen, marriage is better than being single. Now, the reason this gets confusing is because go out in the culture, we hear marriage is better than being single, or in a relationship is better than being single, and we sense that. We come into the church and we hear sermons that being married, or at least that make it suggest, sound, that being married is better than being single. But then we can also go out into the culture and come into the church, and we get the opposite message. We go out into the culture, and the culture would say to us, listen, you don't need anybody else to make you feel fulfilled. You on your own is all that you need. We'll watch a talk show, and a celebrity will come on the talk show, and they've just gotten through their latest divorce, and they'll say to the host, I've just realized that I don't need another person to make me feel good about myself, and the crowd will cheer. And you'll be inspired, and you hop in your car, and you roll down your windows, and you scream the lyrics, the fight song, because you don't need anybody else. And you're empowered. And then we come into the church, and every so often you'll hear a a sermon in church about being single. And I bet you if you hear a sermon in church about being single, they'll be right where we are going to be today, and that is in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, where Paul says something like this. To the unmarried and widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. And you'll hear a message and the pastor will say something along the lines of, if you're single, that's actually a better position than being married because you have more time to focus on what is most important in life. And so you can walk out into the world or you can come into the church and you can hear the exact opposite message in both places. One time you'll walk into the world or come into the church and they'll say, To be married, to be in a relationship, is better than being single. And then you'll walk out into the world, you'll come into the church, and you'll hear, you know what, being single, having that relationship status is better than being married. So the question is, what is to be preferred? What should you shoot for? Which one is better? Which one gives you a better sense of identity? Which one gives you a better sense of community? Which one gives you a better sense of serenity? That's the question that we're trying to answer this morning. And if we take a look at what Paul is really saying here in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, we will find the answer to that question. Now, this entire chapter, is, a, is Paul talking to unmarried people and married people. And we're just going to read a few of the verses that are in this chapter, and then we're going to talk about them together. So I'm going to start in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I'm going to read verses 6 through 9. I'm going to read verse 17. And then I'm going to read verse 38 through the end of the chapter. 6 through 9, 17, verse 38 through the end of the chapter. And they'll be up on the screen as well. This is what the Apostle Paul wrote to the church, filled with people that were both single and married. Now, as a concession and not a command, this is key. You know what Paul's saying? Here's my opinion. This is not what God says. Here's here's my opinion to you, the church. I wish that all were as I myself am, but each has his own gift from God. One of one kind and one of another. To the married and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Verse 17. Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. And then he finishes with this in verse 38. So then he who marries his betrothed does well, and he who refrains from marriage will do even better. A wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives, but if her husband dies, she is free to be married to whom she wishes, only in the Lord. Yet in my judgment, she is happier if she remains as she is, and I think that I too have the Spirit of God. So what is Paul saying there? What is Paul saying is better? Well, to answer that question, you not only have to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7, you also have to think about some of the other things that Paul has written about marriage. And if you went back a couple of weeks, we looked in Ephesians chapter 5, where Paul talks about the importance of marriage and how the marriage relationship between a husband and wife reflects the relationship between Jesus Christ and the church. So what is Paul saying? Paul's taking a pretty radical stance here, first of all, a very radical stance. I think that going into church uh, back in his day or walking into the synagogue, more literally, was probably a lot like it is for young singles or single people to walk into our churches today. It can seem like if you're single and you walk into church, a lot of church people think it's their job to help fix your life for you to help get you to this ultimate place of, of grand satisfaction and fulfillment called marriage and so that you can join the club uh, that we're all a part of and then we can, we can try to fix you. And so, and so church people will come up to people who are single and they'll say, you know, I'm sure God has a great plan for your life. Or they'll walk up to the single person and they'll say, listen, God's just preparing you for something great. God has to make you wonderful before he gives you someone wonderful. They'll say all sorts of churchy things, and all of it gives the implication that as long as you're single, you're in God's plan B. As long as you're single, you're a part of God's plan B, Uh, but once you are able to find someone and get married, well, then you'll graduate to plan A, but that's not what Paul says here at all. It's not only a radical thing that he's saying to the Christians in the church. It's a radical thing that he's saying to the culture. This is a very traditional culture in the sense that if you were going to be taken care of, especially as a woman, you needed to find a person that you were going to be married to that would take care of you. And so Paul's message is very radical. The thing that Jesus demonstrates with his life, and Paul says here, is extremely radical. In fact, Caesar Augustus, who's a contemporary leader to everything that's happening here, he would find widows in the Roman world who refused to get married again because they were a burden on society. And this is the world that Paul's speaking into. Paul speaks into this, and he says, no, 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 no. There's nothing wrong with being single. You're going to walk out into our world, he's telling the church, and the Caesar and everybody else is going to tell you there's something wrong with you if you're single. And you're going to come into the church, and you're probably going to hear the same message. What I want you to know is that there's nothing wrong with being single. Paul says, listen, I'm single. And look at all that I'm accomplishing for the church. Look at all that I'm able to do. And this is just my opinion, he says. This isn't God's command to you. Everyone should live out the gift that he has. Everyone should live out the life that God has assigned to him, he says. But my opinion is, is if you're single and able to devote yourself to the work of the Lord, that's not a bad thing. And for Paul to write publicly to the church and to stand up and say, listen, being single is not wrong, is not bad, is not plan B, is a radical message. And it's something that the church doesn't do that well in remembering even today. And so Paul walks into this world and gives this radical message. And by the way, uh, we would do well to remember Jesus as well. Who was God in the flesh in ultimate perfection and never was married. Jesus didn't live out plan B. And what Paul says through these verses, not just in 1 Corinthians 7 here, but if you look at everything that he writes in all of his letters about being married and being unmarried, Paul comes to this question of which is better for your identity, your community, your serenity as a Christian, as someone who follows Christ, which relationship status is best for you? In a relationship or single, Paul would look at us and say, neither. Neither. Which relationship status is best for your identity, your community, and your serenity? In a relationship or single, neither of those is best for your identity, your community, and your serenity. Instead, the message of the gospel is something quite different. We get our relationship status all wrapped up in these things. Who I am, and who my community is, and who my friends are. And how happy I am with my life. How fulfilled I am with my life. How satisfied I am with my life. We get all of this stuff wrapped up into those things. And the message of the gospel is that true identity, authentic community, and true serenity can be found nowhere except in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Only in a relationship with Jesus Christ can those things be found. Only in a relationship status that says, I'm in a relationship with Christ Christ. First, can true uh, true identity, authentic community, and true fulfillment and serenity and satisfaction be found? Looking for it anywhere else will ultimately leave us wanting. And so this is the message to us. As we think about relationship status and how in our world and in our lives we've gotten it all wrapped up and mixed and connected with identity, community, and serenity. That the only way we are going to find those things is if we find them in Christ first. So we walk into this room, and we know how church people are, right? None of us—we well, won't admit that we're all that we're church people, but you know how church people can be. You walk into the room, you walk in the fellowship hall, and and everyone's standing there. They're like, "She's, you know, he's. I don't know if he's seeing someone. Do you know if he's seeing someone?" I don't know if he sings, but I think, he's, uh, I think he's single. He was in a relationship. They were dating, but I don't think they're dating anymore. And they would say, I don't know, do you know her story? She, uh, you know, she was married before, but now she's not now, and that's her story. And we get this thing all wrapped up. Church people talk like this. Church people pretend that they know what is best and where the right thing is, and we forget that true identity, authentic community, and true serenity, they come from Christ and nowhere else that none of those things are going to be found in our relationship status. And if we're putting that sort of weight on a relationship status, on what it says in that little box, single, married, dating, widowed, divorced, it's complicated. We're putting our entire identity, our entire community, and our entire serenity, if we're putting all the weight of that on that relationship status, we will always be disappointed because the only way to find those things is in Christ alone. So in Christ, I find my true identity. Listen, don't make the mistake in your life of saying, listen, I'm a divorced person, but I'm someone that follows Jesus Christ. I'm a single person, but I'm a Christian. I'm a married person, but I'm a Christian. You are a Christian first. Christ is the seat of your identity. Being found in Christ comes first in our lives. And the fact that Christ comes first in our lives should lead us into authentic community more than anyone else in this world. No matter where you are in your life, it is so easy to walk into the church and feel like you are disconnected from the other people. Those people are married and they have kids. That person is is single and in a different place in their life. And we can feel so disconnected from one another. They're young, they're old. They like this music, I like this music. They like this kind of preaching, I like this kind of preaching. They would rather have this sort of service, I'd rather have this sort of service. And when we do all of those things, we forget that underneath it all, there is something so powerful that connects us together, and that is that we have Christ. And I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, and if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, we have far more that unites us and connects us than separates us and divides us. And so we can't make the mistake of walking into church and saying, well, I can't worship here because these people aren't like me. If you follow Christ, yes, we are. If you follow Jesus Christ, yes, we are. And you're like them, or you're like us. And the church should be a place where people are welcome regardless of whatever it says in that relationship status box. You're single right now, you're dating, you're engaged, you're married, you're divorced. You are welcome here. Because we have Christ in common, and that's what our community is based on. And there should be times when those of us who are married are intentionally inviting people who are in a different stage of life to come join us in our families because we have Christ in common. And there should be times when those who are single in the church are reaching out to those who are married or engaged or in families because we have Christ in common. And we should not be divided into little groups where we're only spending time with people in our our own life situation—that's not what authentic community looks like. That puts the relationship status, that puts the parenting status, that puts our, our everything else in front of the fact that we follow Christ, rather than putting Christ first and developing community around that. I don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm for marriage ministry. I'm for singles ministry. I'm for men's events and women's events. But when we make the mistake of saying we can't worship and fellowship with one another because we don't have these things in common, or I can't be in a specific place because there's not enough people there like me, that is a big mistake we make. We put those things ahead of the fact that we're followers of Jesus Christ. And so Christ determines our ident- identity, Christ shapes community, and through Christ, we have serenity now no matter what our situation we have serenity now we have fulfillment now we are satisfied now and so no matter what the box says if i follow christ i have that satisfaction today i read a great article this week from a woman named Paige benton brown she's a theologian and speaker worked at vanderbilt university for quite a while and for much of her life, she was single. And a number of years ago, she wrote an article that was, that's called Singled Out by God for Good. And this is what she says in that article as a follower of Jesus. I am not single because I am too spiritually unstable to deserve a husband, nor because I am too spiritually mature to possibly need one. You see what she's saying there? Marriage is not better than being single, and being single is not better than being married. I'm not single because I'm too spiritually unstable to possibly deserve a husband, and I'm in God's plan B. Nor am I too spiritually mature to possibly need them. Nor am I better than people who are married. I am single because God is so abundantly good to me because this is his best for me. The reason I have serenity today is because I know God can only be good to me. Regardless of life's circumstances, God can only be good to me. So no matter what the box says today, It does not change the fact that God through Christ is good to me today. And I find peace in that. I find fulfillment in that. And not only that, it stops me from buying the lie that once I get to change that box, I'll finally be fulfilled. It stops me from buying the lie that once I finally get to change that box from married to single or single to dating or dating to engaged or engaged to married, once I finally get to change that relationship status box, then I will have identity and community and serenity that I am missing right now in my life. No relationship or lack of relationship can withstand that. Pressure, the only thing that will determine whether or not I have true identity, authentic community, and serenity now is if I find it in Christ alone. And so here's my questions to you today. As you sit right now, no matter what your life situation is, no matter what the status box says, are you finding your identity in Christ today? Are you living out authentic community as the church? If we're people who say we follow Jesus, are we doing this well? Are we showing love to those who are different than us? Are we upholding those in a different life situation right now as still in a good place, able to be used by God? Are you finding your identity with Christ? Are you experiencing authentic community? And the last thing I would ask you this morning is, is your ultimate fulfillment, is your serenity, is your hope grounded in Christ today? That is the only place we'll find it. The only place that we will find what we're looking for is in Christ. I'm going to invite our worship team forward as we close this morning. I'm going to invite you to spend some time in prayer I invite you to bow your head and close your eyes and just think think with me for a moment. It is so easy for us to say, I don't have a good picture of myself, I don't have the community that I'd like to see, and I don't have serenity, and it's so easy for us to say, the reason I don't have those things is because the relationship situation I'm in is not the place where I want to be. I'm married and I wish I wasn't. I'm single and I wish I wasn't. I'm widowed and I wish I wasn't. It's so easy for us to place all of that weight on, a, on our relationship status, but the reality is, Just because that box changes doesn't mean any of those other things are going to change. Because true identity and authentic community and true serenity are only found in Christ. So maybe this morning you're in a place where you have been upset at God. You've been upset at others because you're stuck in a certain relationship mode, a certain relationship status, and you've been wondering why can't it change? Why is it like this? Maybe today you'd be reminded that God is good to you no matter what. That God has not left you. That he has not forsaken you. That he still has an amazing, wonderful plan for your life. If you would trust him and you would follow him, and maybe today would be a day that you would stop being upset about that relationship status and start putting your trust in Jesus Christ with your life. Maybe you walk in here today and you would say, listen, I've known at one point in my life that a true identity, authentic community, and serenity comes from Christ, but I've gotten off of that path. I've forgotten those things. I have not been behaving like I should within the church. I have not embraced other people the way that I should. I have found my identity in things other than Christ, and I've been searching all over the place for true serenity and true peace and true fulfillment, and today I've been reminded I need to come back to that relationship with Jesus Christ. Or maybe you're sitting here this morning and for the first time you're hearing this, that identity and community and serenity cannot be found apart from Christ, and you're not sure 100% what that means, but you want to go after it this morning. Start following Jesus with your life. Start seeking after him. I'd invite you in your own heart and in your own mind where you sit this morning to talk to him and to tell him that very thing. That you want to start following him with your life, that you're sorry for the life you've lived, that you're sorry for the ways that you have gone against God in your life, for the ways that you've sinned, and that you want to follow him with your life, to find your identity in Christ, to find community through him, to find your peace and your hope and your joy in Christ alone. You can start that today. In just a moment, we're going to sing together. And I'm going to invite everybody to stand when we do. And as we're standing, if you want to spend some time alone with God, you can come up to the front of this church here, kneel at this altar, and talk to God, just you and him. And if you'd like someone to pray with you, we believe that God answers prayer. We believe that God hears prayer. We believe that God is still working. And my wife and I will be in the back of the room, in the back corner, and we would love to pray with you. Come back as we sing and let us pray with you. God, we thank you for this message that you have for us this morning, for the truth and the reminder that nothing in this world will satisfy our souls, that only Christ is the one who can bring about a true identity, who can bring about true community, who can bring about true serenity. And so this morning, whether we're doing it for the first time today, whether we were reminded of this, or whether we're coming to you and we're just thanking you for how you provide this in our lives, God, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for your love for us. And today we take a step forward in this. And trusting you more, in finding ourselves in Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks again for listening to this sermon from the Belmont campus of Mount Hope. If you live in the Belmont area, we'd love to have you join us each Sunday at 10 a.m. Or if you'd like to know more about Mount Hope Christian Center with campuses in Burlington and Belmont, Massachusetts, you can visit our website at www.mounthope dot org